What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL episode 82, going strong. This is everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Brian Tong, your host, holding it down, doing the most. And, you know, I told you I was on break. We had kind of a what I call a tweener show earlier in the week. And so I wanted to follow up if there were stories that were more relevant that are still kind of following up on what happened earlier. So this is going to be episode 82. This show is all about you all. Got some great calls this week. So remember, use the Voice Memo app if you want to talk about something, anything, whether it's related to the show or just thoughts you have on your mind or if you need a friend, just call me. Use the Voice Memo app and then send that bad boy out to Show at gmail.com that's apple bits with a z and thank you so much for your support so let's just jump right into this i think the big news that just dropped this week it actually just dropped yesterday as of this recording ios 13 beta number seven dropped and you know there's always little nuggets that are inside of that thing and the big nugget an ios 13 screenshot in the beta covertly named hold for release that's the actual name of the file found in the beta but the screenshot itself shows the little calendar icon and it says tuesday the 10th and so you kind of put the pieces together and that is directly related to september tuesday the 10th which would be the hint that that is most likely probably 99.9 percent sure going to be the iphone 11 reveal date so mark your calendar september the 10th and the reason why this has credibility is that last year in iOS 12, a similar screenshot file existed in the iOS beta that showed off um, for the 12th, which was the Tuesday, the second Tuesday of the month. And that's also when coincidentally the keynote fell last year. That would be for the uh, iPhone, geez, 10s and 10R. And then if you also kind of rewind back the past four years, Apple has held their iPhone event on the second Tuesday or Wednesday of the month. So this all lines up to pretty much confirm, even though it's not officially confirmed, the iPhone 11 event will happen on Tuesday, September the 10th. So get ready for it. I I know there's some people, our good friend, Gil Cabrera, who is a contributor to this show. He texted me instantly, perfect timing. So they they were listening to the show, Gil. They did it for you. And they did it for all of you who have just been, like, waiting. Now, also, in this Beta 7, what else kind of... They, they, they reveal little by little things that are different. Well, before you had to kind of jump deep into the settings to get access to the dark mode, dark mode control center widget wording has been tweaked. Instead of saying light appearance or dark appearance, it'll now just say light mode or dark mode, which kind of makes sense you can delete attachments in messages right you can delete photos and other attachments just by hitting on the eye of the photo and then just boom get rid of it blocked senders in emails there's new option to determine what to do with messages from blocked senders so kind of some granular stuff there and then also silencing unknown callers callers from unknown numbers will be silenced set to voicemail and displayed on the recents list now i don't know if this means unknown callers in your phone book or if the actual word says unknown caller because now these days these callers are so smart i'm getting calls from my area code and the first three digits of my phone number still every day i probably still get what do you guys and gals get like two three a day maybe i'm doing something wrong but i still get plenty of robocalls but you have an option to silence unknown callers 
Also, when you're viewing all photos in the main photos tab in iOS 13, they're displayed in a grid of three instead of the smaller thumbnails that were available before by default. So the grid of photos, I like them. I actually kind of like them a little bigger now before I like the small screen. But yeah, I do want to see a little bit more of it, even if it means I got to scroll a little bit more. So those are some of the tweaks coming to iOS 13. We also have a follow-up story on, remember we talked about Apple locking down their batteries specific to make sure that only authorized Apple repair centers and Apple themselves, if they perform a battery swap out, they're the ones that'll kind of bless it to allow you to still check its battery health and whatnot. iFixit was the website that discovered that and kind of brought it to life about what they call this dormant software lock that prevents customers from basically seeing the battery health from this unauthorized battery repair. Now, Apple provided a statement to website iMore confirming that they did introduce um, what they called a new feature. I'm going to read their statement um, just so you can get a gist of what they said. This is what Apple had to say. We take the safety of our customers very seriously and want to make sure any battery replacement is done properly. There are now over 1,800 Apple authorized service providers across the United States, so our customers have even more convenient access to quality repairs. Last year, we introduced a new feature to notify customers if we were unable to verify that a new genuine battery was installed by a certified technician following the Apple repair process. This information is there to help protect our customers from damaged poor quality or used batteries, which can lead to safety or performance issues. This does not impact the customer's ability to use the phone after an unauthorized repair, which is true. You can still do an unauthorized battery swap, but you won't be able to check the battery health of it in the future um, in case you want to know if it's time to swap it out. So it's, yes, are they grabbing more control back? We talked about it last week. To a certain degree, is it annoying? Yes, but I think most people kind of, even without looking at the battery health, kind of already know when their battery has gone to crap and are ready to swap it out. That's kind of a a secondary confirmation to say, okay, yeah, it does need it. And then sometimes you don't even want to look at that because, look, if people are already freaking out when their actual battery is running low on juice, they're like, I got to plug this in. I'm at 85%. You don't want to see your battery health at um, somewhere around the 80s because you're going to want to swap that battery out right away. I don't think you really need to that like that but there are people that are like that and you know let's just call it call it out call it how it is it's ocd but in the big scheme of things it really doesn't affect us that much all right um i think i kind of went on a rant about apple and what does the word pro mean right we talked about it pro means totally different things to different devices in their family line it's kind of like you know i jokingly said it on this week's video you know, you got to imagine the people at Cupertino, they're in this like boardroom and they're talking shop and they're going back and forth and someone's like, hey guys, it's our best model. Let's just call it pro. And everyone just looks at each other like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, just call it pro. Because I, I genuinely think that's probably what's happening because there is no clear definition of pro, but maybe there is for mobile devices because a new report from Japanese blog, Mac Otakara, who's been known to cite a lot of things very early based on their supply chain sources, are claiming that the fourth generation 11-inch and 12.9-inch iPad Pro devices that will come out this year, so this is for this year's iPad Pro devices, they will get the same multi-sensor triple lens camera array 
that is widely rumored to be coming to the Apple's next iPhone this year. So we know that there's been reports because Twitter Twitter account Coinex said, hey, uh, look for the word pro. And everyone's like, iPhone 11 Pro? Is it is and it's going to be associated with the multi triple lens camera? And now Mako Takara is saying, hey, that triple lens camera is coming to the iPads for this year, which then just scares the crap out of me because I don't know. You know how I've always felt about iPad photographers. I think it's horrible. It looks goofy. It blocks the sight of people, and you're, they're holding it high up. They aren't even looking at the screen. They're trying. They're just freaking blocking the view with a big, fat iPad. It looks goofy. It's just it's terrible. So I've felt that lately you don't you still see it once in a while but i don't think you see it as much because as of recently the iphone's camera specifically with portrait mode as well has be has become a whole lot better than the ipads and so i feel like people have been using their iphones lately a lot more for photos but if you're telling me you're gonna give the same camera on the iphone that you give to the ipad now it's all coming back we are the iPad photographer revolution has just been reignited. If this happens, and you know what, it logically makes sense it's going to happen. Apple hasn't used dual lens cameras in any iPad model, so let alone a triple lens one, which would be coming this year, but it does make it consistent. I just think that if you're going to give us an iPhone Pro, fine. Camera lens, fine, but how about a ProMotion display? How about, sheesh, it's been rumored. I don't think it's going to happen this year stylus compatibility with the iphone 11 they're they're not going to make jumps like that this year they just aren't but if you're going to call an iphone pro then you got to make it pro bro because right now that ain't pro that ain't pro so there the research note from japanese blog mako takara the triple lens camera array coming to the ipad pros which would be specific to the 11 and 12.9 inch I don't know if that's, well, quite honestly, that's not enough for me to upgrade my current iPad Pro. I think the current iPad Pro is amazing. A triple lens camera will not entice me. Even a faster processor will not unless they do what I'm going to call a dick move and say, hey, um, here's some of our new apps like that are available for the iPad Pro like Photoshop, but it requires an A13X processor. Because you know you can see something like that. We haven't, we actually surprisingly still haven't seen Photoshop for the iPad. It's, I feel like it's been about a year since they teased it. I guess it is because that's when the iPad Pros were announced last time. Um, so it's been almost a year, October, when the new iPad Pros are coming out. I really hope we finally see Photoshop released to the consumers, but I want to see more than Photoshop. You know, I've complained about it for a while, but it's always good to complain about it again when iPads come up. Pro-level apps from Apple showing us that you support your hardware. Final Cut Pro, it doesn't have to be, and it won't be exact Final Cut Pro. Sheesh, if they did, it would be sick. Final Cut Pro on the iPad. Do it, Apple. Do it. What about Logic on the iPad Pro? Do it, Apple. Give us some Pro apps that you have already for the desktop. I'm waiting for that to happen, but don't tell me I need the newest A13X to do it because I know right now, this A12X processor is a beast, and it's not even being used to its fullest. It rivals some MacBooks right now, MacBook Pros even. It rivals, I, that's how powerful this thing is, and we're still not using it, but guess what? I still love it. 
I love it. All right. Also, you know my strife, my struggle with the Apple Card. I still haven't gotten it. Um, this was what was so silly. This week, I got super juiced. I got an email from Apple. It was that email that basically tells you, hey, um, you, you're ready for early access to the Apple Card. I'm like, finally, they finally are delivering for me. Well, then I went to the link they told me to go to, and it was the exact same website that I signed up for on August the 6th that said notify, and I put in my stuff, and they said, we'll contact you in the next few days, and I'm I'm still waiting, guys, and then every, like, not everyone, but a lot of people, it feels like everyone when you're left out, a lot of people on Twitter, like, oh, I already got mine, oh, my card's, my card's here, or my card's coming, and I'm like, come on, like, out of all the people you're going to leave out in the dark, come on, look at my purchase history, so, the thing about it is that, yes, people are already signed up for it. Everyone's saying, hey, you don't have to, have to worry about the email. Just go to your wallet and click plus, and then it's going to show up. No, guys and gals, it still has not shown up for me. I am totally in the cold, and it's not because I have a beta on uh, 10R. I have um, regular iOS 12.4 up to date on uh, the 10, and I'm just like, I'm just waiting. I'm twiddling my thumbs. But Apple recently has detailed why some Apple Card applicants might get declined. We have a few calls about the Apple Card, and one of our callers does talk about being declined. So this is what Apple is saying in a new support document. They outlined various reasons why you might be declined, including a low credit score, frequent credit card applications, heavy debt, and low income, bankruptcy, property repossession. Basically, right, a credit agency is going to look through your entire thing and basically give you the thumbs up or not and sign off based on a variety of these things. Now, the document is a detailed list of explanations for those who were declined. And when you apply for an Apple card, if you are declined by Goldman Sachs, that is obviously Apple's partner, you're going to get a reason why so you can cross-reference it for more information. So there are people who are getting access to it that are getting declined. I have not even been declined. Like, do I want to get declined? No, but I'd rather be declined than not even get a chance to get declined because I want a chance at the Apple card. Come on, guys. I'm I'm like, I'm ready for it. And I know the rewards are junk. Like, I'd be the first to tell you all the rewards are junk. Like, use Apple Pay, get 2% back? No, I'm gonna throw that money towards miles. I'm gonna throw that towards categories that matter. Like, you know, gas, 5% back when um, Discover does it throw it towards Amazon, like, it's gonna, I'll be honest with you, it's gonna be a card that I use very, very rarely unless I'm buying Apple products with the business account discount that I have. That's through the store, it's very rare. Also, in a PSA, Apple is sending an email out to ask users who signed up for the Apple card invite to provide their correct Apple ID, even if they did already. So, I haven't received this, not at all. The latest email sent out to customers says their early access invitation is waiting, but the IDs don't match. I didn't even get that yet. They Here's what it's the email will say to some of you. You wanted to be one of the first to get an Apple card, a new kind of credit card created by Apple, not a bank. Yeah, I do. Okay, they didn't say that. Good news, here's your chance to experience Apple card before everyone else. Your invitation is waiting, but we need your Apple ID to send it. Apple, I got two words for you, from me to you. Send it. Send the damn thing. 
And then we talked about this, man, I, I'm surprised that this has actually gotten this far, but it makes sense. I just don't know how they're going to police this. Remember the whole MacBook Pro faulty battery issue? Apple put out a recall. You have to match a serial number up to MacBook Pros. Uh, I believe they're two, MacBook Pros from 2015. So this is following a recall initiated by Apple. The Federal Aviation Administration has banned the mid-2015 15-inch MacBook Pro with faulty batteries from flights. That's according to Bloomberg. Now, in a statement of Bloomberg, the Federal Aviation Administration said that major U.S. airlines have been notified about the recall and have been instructed to follow guidelines for goods with recalled batteries. That means affected lab Apple laptops that have not received replacement batteries are not going to be allowed on flights um, as cargo, as carry-on luggage, which is standard standard operating procedure. I even had... When I was traveling in China, China's really strict about what devices you carry and check in. I had one of those DJI Osmo gimbals in my uh, check-in, and it has a small lithium-ion battery. And I put it in my suitcase, and on the way to China, I was able to get it through. But on while traveling within China, Beijing to Shanghai and whatnot, they called it out. And they're like, you got, you got to take it out. Like, they scanned it. In the back, where you normally kind of get rid of your bags, they scan and they pull it out, and they're like, no. So they're really, really tight about that. So imagine here in the U.S., MacBook 15-inch Pros, that's not going to pass overseas either. But we're going to say, this is the thing that sticks out to me, is like, okay, fine. The note from about Apple's laptops, it's really their laptops sold between mid-2015 to February 2017. That's a note from the European Aviation Safety Agency. A way, a way broader range. The laptops in that range are prohibited on board any of their mandate carriers. That includes TUI Group Airlines, Thomas Cook Airlines, Air Italy, and Air Transat. So the thing that I'm curious about is how are they going to really check this? Like, Do they have photos of it? Are they going to match up your serial number? Because that just seems like a process that Air planes and flights don't have time for are they gonna say hey we're gonna keep your laptop here at this airport and when you come back if you come back you can pick it up i'm i'm curious how this is gonna actually be police be police because there are so many of those laptops out there and i think also a lot of people that don't listen to a podcast like this or aren't paying attention to the news close enough will be surprised and kind of pissed off if they say we can't let you on this plane because this laptop and our laptop is that's like our digital life. So we'll see what happens here. Approximately 432,000 potentially affected MacBook Pro units were sold in the United States along with 26,000 in Canada based on Apple's kind of recall that was initiated and based on those serial numbers. So check your laptops and make sure, make sure they're good to go. And even if you have one, like, I don't know how they're going to check at the airport. If any of you have come into this situation, let us know. Colin, I'm curious, like, what happens? All right. In a couple more stories before we wrap up this kind of secondary tweener episode, because we did some earlier this, some of the news earlier this week. A new annual test comparing the Google Assistant, Siri, and Alexa on smartphones from Loop Ventures found that Siri was able to correctly answer 83% of questions, beating. Alexa, but trailing behind the Google Assistant. 
Now, they did this comparison last year during their 2018 test. Siri answered 79% of questions correctly compared to 83% of questions answered right this time. Now, last year, Alexa was at 61%. Google Assistant was at 86%. So there have been some improvements across the board. This test covers a variety of categories in case you're wondering, okay, what is actually asked? 800 questions, the same questions are asked to each voice assistant. So they're designed to what they say, what they call comprehensively test a digital assistant's ability and utility. Some of the categories that are relevant, um, local questions, such as where's the nearest coffee shop, commerce, order me paper towels, navigation, how do I get to said place, information, who do the twins play tonight, or a command, remind me to call Jerome at 2 p.m. today. So here's the breakdown. Google Assistant answered 92.9% of the queries correctly and understood 100% of the queries. Siri answered 83.1% and understood 99.8% of the queries. This is, again, 800 questions. And then Alexa answered 79.8% correctly and understood 99.9% correctly. Now, this is probably from a few people that answered the questions. Again, accents probably don't play into this as well. Let's be real. We all have friends, family, relatives that probably have some sort of an accent. So that's going to tweak that. I find... I find it interesting, though, the big jump here, Alexa was at 61% last year and made a jump up to 79.8%. Google Assistant was at 86% last year and went up to 92.9%. So this is, again, answering questions. The thing is that just because they asked all these 800 questions doesn't mean some of these are really relevant to you. And a lot of times, also, it comes down to what you're comfortable with. Like, Alexa is what I use in my home. It pretty much works, I would say, 90% of the time, talking to my smart home, turning on lights, doing specific things. I already know the Google Assistant is smarter. I'm just waiting for a few more devices to get on board with it. But I've always felt the Google Assistant has been the smartest assistant, and these numbers bear that out. Uh, Siri's impressive, though. But Siri, although the interesting thing is they asked it 800 questions, but Siri is still limited in how it deals with some of the things that I need. So you know, I don't know how generic, I didn't see the list of all 800 questions, but it's good to know for people that criticize and hate on Siri. Fine. According to this, it answers questions correctly, roughly 3% better than Alexa, 79.8 to 83.1. So all of these assistants though, have made progress and improved. Why, why is this important that Siri's improved? Well, funny you ask. The HomePod is launching in Japan and Taiwan on August the 23rd. Pre-orders available now. All my Asian peeps in Asia, you have a chance to get the HomePod over here in the US. We like rejected it. We're like, mm, no, not at all. I think a recent report had said that the actual HomePod uh, market penetration was at 5%. All right, here, um, I just paused down for a second and looked it up. This is a report from the CIRP. This is from August the 8th, so it's very, very recent. They took a look at U.S. smart speaker sales during quarter two calendar year. That would be Apple's third quarter. Uh, so here we go. The smart speaker market share in the U.S. put the Amazon Echo devices in a commanding lead with 70%. Google Home devices at 25% share, 
and Apple's HomePod with a 5% user install base. The thing that sticks out the most about this is while the Amazon Echo market share grew, while the Google Home market share grew, Apple's basically stayed the same around that 5% mark, meaning there has been no growth in market share for the HomePod. What do they need to help that? They need better pricing, a more open Siri. Yeah, fine. Siri can answer questions better than the Echo, but a more open Siri that does more, even though that's kind of against Apple's rules. And some people like that. Some people don't. That's fine. But also a 99 HomePod mini, that might be the most important potential product that has been rumored for years that Apple could do to bump up that market share. Because, And it's not going to make that much of a difference. I think that this market has been pretty entrenched. I would be really surprised now if, let's say, and you can call me out and call back when we're still here. In three years, if all of a sudden Apple has like 20 or 30% of the market share, because even Google doesn't, Echo was out first. They had the lead. But not only did they have the lead, they were really smart. They opened up the platform. They partnered with everyone. And almost every smart home device you can think of is compatible with the Echo right out of the gates. And that's why I'm still on Echo. Like the data backs it up 70%, 70% smart home devices are, or smart speaker devices. I don't want to say, yeah, smart speaker devices specifically are Echo. So they are just absolutely dominating that space and google great product great product i'm actually really excited to see their uh, google nest max that's coming out i think well it should be coming out soon i have i had one pre-ordered because i want to review it i'm excited about that product from them but we'll see how it all three four years down the line i don't think we even see apple cracking 20 percent. i just i just don't everyone's already entrenched in the market that they have All right, let's, uh, with this little tweener show, I say let's just jump right into the phone calls because we want to hear from you. We had a few people that wanted to follow up and had some great comments about the uh, Apple Watch show that I did. And so I think, you know, maybe once in a while I'll do more shows or episodes like that where it's just focused on a product, get some commentary. Um, And I also love having guests because I, I feel like the bounce back between two guests is great too. But yeah, I'll work on things like that for y'all because it seemed to get a, a really good response. Maybe also because it was such a focused topic, y'all were able to get opinions out there. So what we're gonna do here, let's get some Apple Card questions or calls in because I asked you all to give me your thoughts about it because you literally have used the Apple Card. I'm still locked outside. They will not let me in the Apple Card house. So let's get rolling. We'll start off with our man, Christian. What's up, Brian? So I was fortunate enough to get the Apple Card on the third day after it started initially rolling out. So got it pretty soon. And I've been using it with Apple Pay for a couple days now. And I have to say, I absolutely love the software. I really like the UI as well. They make it really easy to understand and to pay your bill and to just understand kind of what you're spending, where your money's going. I really like that aspect. Now, the physical card hasn't come yet. 
And I will say that the benefits in general are a little bit weak as far as cashback goes. But what I do really like about the Apple Card is they are giving people a chance. Uh, I have a pretty thin credit file. I'm new to the credit world. So no other banks would approve me for an unsecured credit card, but Apple did. So I think it's super cool that they're kind of giving me a chance to build my credit and prove myself to the credit world. And I'm generally really excited for the Apple card. I'm glad I got it. All right, Christian, thanks so much for that call. Look, a happy customer and uh, I'm with them on I'm I'm just more curious and more excited about just seeing how integrated the software is. And you know what, it'll get better. But I think it's, it's actually off to a good start. I don't hear people complain about the biggest thing everyone complains about right now is the rewards. <laughs> and of course you would. All right, next up, we've got a call in from Scott. Hey, Brian, it's Scott from SoCal. Wanted to give some feedback on the Apple Card. Uh, like everyone's saying, it's a really smooth setup process. Uh, my only feedback to Apple, and this is a nitpick, would be when you push the button to set the Apple Card as your payments uh, method for things like iTunes and the Apple Store, I wish there was some indicator that that's the current setup. So the button doesn't really change once you've pressed it. So that's my only real complaint or, or feedback but again very 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 minor very happy with the card quick psa on the timing for getting the cash um, you're not always going to get the cash the same day you make a purchase because different businesses use different credit card providers so you might have a, a purchase pending for a day or maybe two so i made a purchase on a monday and didn't get the cash till wednesday morning but that's not a problem with apple that's just how credit card services work so just a quick heads up on that. But otherwise, it's been a smooth experience so far. Love the show, man. Thanks. Bye. All right, Scott. Thanks so much for calling in. So uh, again, two positive Apple Card calls overall. Like you haven't seen the media hammer it. But also, I don't think everyone um, in the media has really gotten the Apple Card. I, I think what I tend to see people basically flossing about is the early media members who actually got the physical card, but they're not constantly talking about actually using the card <laughs> all right here we go bo's calling in what's up brian i got something for you uh i'm sure you've heard there's a supposed early invite to be one of the first to run apple card uh i was lucky enough to get the invite and applied for it fully expecting to be approved um I've got a 21% debt-to-income ratio, which typically lenders look for anything under 32, I believe, as good. And I've got a 798 credit score, and I got denied. So for me, that's a bad apple. Uh, I guess you can't own a house and have an apple card? It's a, I, I don't know, because the, the reason that I got denied is it said I had too much debt so yeah i don't i don't know how you get one of these things anyways keep up the good work thank you have a good one all right bo uh i am bummed to hear that from you uh for you but i also don't know how to get an apple card because it is not working for me but early in the show we talked about some of those reasons and hopefully uh, you could look into that and, and see if it still works out for you so best of luck to you Bo. all right carson calling in 
What's up, Brian? It's Carson from Memphis. I'm calling in because you asked for feedback on the Apple Card. I've been using it a few days, made a few online purchases so far. I really haven't used the Apple Pay. A lot of the places, <clears throat> Chipotle in my area, does not have Apple Pay. And uh, I feel like that's the only place I've been the past few days. But man, it's really cool. You know, uh, the software. I will say is top notch. And that's what Apple is known for. They're going to make a really polished uh, experience for the users. And honestly, the the setup for the Apple card to apply is easier than setting up an iPhone. They made it super simple. Um, and uh, a lot of people out here were getting, you know, approved for like a thousand dollars. And I was approved for 550. I don't know if that's just because of um, my financial situation, but it's awesome. I really really enjoy it. Um, I think that a lot of people will like it for the software experience side of being integrated so closely into iOS as opposed to third parties. Uh, you know, obviously it's not the best when it comes to rewards, but like you said, it's always nice to flex on them with a titanium card and get a little cash back the next day, especially 3% on some Apple purchases. It's definitely the Apple fanboy credit card. But um, man, I, I was in San Francisco. I know you were in China at the time. I tweeted you and I was asking about food and I, I, mean, I didn't hear back from you. Of course, I totally get it. You actually kind of unplugged for that trip. You, you said it in a podcast. But man, I messed up. I didn't find any good food in San Fran. Could you give us some tips on San Francisco food? Brian, love the show. Talk to you later. Okay, okay. Carson, um, first of all, flexing with the card, I mean, it's a flex in a way, but your your rewards back ain't going to flex. But I'm glad you're enjoying the card. Um, as for San Francisco, San Francisco food spots, um, which is my backyard. I lived there for eight to ten years. I will tell you this much. The the good food in San Francisco tends to be fancy and expensive. And a lot of these hot places, you got to like book reservations two, three months ahead of time or get on these waiting lists and wait online for these open windows to come out. Like what I found in LA is that the food diversity here is so broad from a price point, from a cultural mix of food options. And then also, like I said, from high end to medium to low, it's just, it's superior. But if you want to be foofy, San Francisco's got the foofy stuff. And someone's going to say, oh, don't rip on any burritos on the mission. Fine, I'm not. But in general, LA's food culture has a lot more to offer. Saying that, uh, I will give you two recommendations in San Francisco that I really love. One of them is at least decent enough to get to. It's called Liho Liho Yacht Club. And it's a combination of kind of like Hawaiian meets Asian meets American, um, really modern flavors and really good flavors. And then they have this, um, it's off menu, but it's an actually, and I know you guys are going to like scream, but it's, they make their own in-house spam, but it's not canned spam. It's like made by them in-house. And if you like spam or you like salty meat, you're going to like this on rice. It's a staple. And people that don't eat spam, don't knock it unless you tried it because it is amazing. It's like breakfast of champions, spam, eggs, and rice. How do you think I get so beefy? Um, Liho Liho Yacht Club, one of my favorite spots of all time in uh, San Francisco is still popping. And then a really fancy, a little fancy fancy? You got, look, you got all these places like uh, Saison and Bennu, but I'm not going to go to those. Uh, my favorite go-to spot specifically for sushi 
is this spot called Juni, J-U-N-I. It's amazing. I knew the chef when he worked in other sushi spots. He opened this joint himself, and it's a Michelin. It's now a Michelin star rated restaurant, I think, for two or three years in a row, which also meant the prices of the sushi went up once they went Michelin star. But it's an amazing experience. The lighting is optimized, believe it or not, for Instagram photos. But again, this is a high end, one of a just amazing sushi experience. And San Francisco has great sushi spots, but Juni is my favorite. So Leo Leo Yacht Club and Juni, y'all can thank me later. But these are not places that I go to all the time because they cost money. They're like special occasion places. All right, let's get to our next call. We're going to transition over now to some of the Apple Watch calls. Let's go to Jonathan. Hey, what's up, BTZ? It's JPZ coming at you from Illinois. Hey, love the show, man. Keep up the good work. Hey, I'm with you on the Apple Watch, man. I've been in love with that thing since the beginning. I had a Series 1. Uh, I was pretty pleased with it, and the current generation uh, is absolutely phenomenal. Hey, one thing I wanted to get your take on was, um, as Apple continues to evolve this thing, or third-party developers or whatever, um, I'm wondering how that will impact the technology uh, of the device. And what I mean by that is something like sleep tracking. Um, I'd love to have a great solution for sleep tracking so I can figure out why I get about four hours of sleep every night. Um, But if they're going to do something like that, man... um, there's got to be a better way to charge this battery, right? Um, again, the battery life's great, uh, but at some point, I've got to be able to charge this thing. Currently, I put it on my nightstand at night, and it's uh, freshly charged for me in the morning. But if I'm wearing that thing at night to track my sleep, uh, i got to have a better way to, to charge that battery at some point. Uh, if I put it on the charger during the day, it kind of defeats the, the whole purpose of wearing a watch. I've always wondered if they could embed something into the bands. I mean, the bands are, are purely decorative. Obviously, it's a way to wear the, wear the device. Um, I don't know how to do that. I'm not smart enough to do that. Um, but curious if you thought the bands were a good way to uh, evolve that technology. Uh, aside from a few solutions out there, I don't see a whole lot uh, happening in that space. Hey, man, keep up the good work. Love the show. Take care, brother. Peace. All right, JPZ, thank you so much for calling in. Um, I also am not smart enough to integrate any of that technology. The bands are absolutely key, and in a few ways, there's been a lot of reports about potential uh, sugar glucose levels being be able to be detected by the Apple Watch, but not through the sensor on it, but potentially, um, you know, there's some sensors that they would put on the bands as well. The other thing is that we've seen there's an actual data port on the Apple Watch that physically is still not being used that an Apple Watch band in the future could use a lot of this talk as potential Apple Watch bands uh, with extra thicker bands that might have actual batteries embedded into them to extend the life. These are all things that have been thrown around um, like patent applications that have been submitted by Apple. It doesn't mean they're actually happening. I've got to imagine the blood glucose thing is from a sleep tracking standpoint. The thing is that, you know, the motion processor in the Apple Watch is most likely going to be good enough. And I know you're concerned about battery life. So, but, um, you know, if you sleep with it overnight and it's tracking that, I it's not like it's going to take out half of your battery. Yeah, maybe it might use, let's say, a quarter of your battery. But the reality is that even with an Apple Watch Series 4, I have to charge that thing every day. It gets basically about a day and a third or a day and a half with my normal use and even with working out and listening to music on it. But no matter what, 
realistically, I still have to charge it every day. So if it could handle that sleep tracking with the motion with the motion processor in there and you still have to charge it every day, um, maybe it's like during when you're working, if you're if you have a desk job or something like that, or you find a few hours and just plug it in because that's the other issue, right? Like finding time. Okay, if you're sleeping with it, plug it in. So I don't have the exact answer for you. As these devices get more advanced, you know, they tend to get more battery life, but then they also use more battery life. It'd be interesting. We talked about the Apple Watch Series 5 um, a couple episodes ago of why they don't really need one. And maybe it's not enough to upgrade. Maybe the biggest thing they do is improve the battery life and juice on this, not only from the iOS standpoint, but from the physical battery. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. Um, But yeah, there you go. All right. And our last call today comes to us from Eric. Here we go. Hey, hey, what is up, Brian? This is Eric. I'm calling from Michigan. I am a proud Patreon supporter. Love the show. Um, Really liked your episode on the Apple Watch. Uh, Outside of the phone, it's definitely my favorite product. Uh, I've gone through all the different series. I have the Series 4 right now. I really wouldn't have any reason I'd want to upgrade my watch. I love my Series 4. Uh, it's fantastic. I'm excited for Watch OS 6 to come out. Some great features in there, too. One reason I don't think I would ever upgrade, and I know you love this feature, but if they come out with a camera built in, you know, two reasons. One would be just privacy. I don't really want a camera on my wrist at all times. I know Apple says that they are, you know, all about privacy and this and that, but there's just something about it that's a little creepy to me. And second of all, I'm not sure I would use it. Uh, that much. The screen's a little small for me for FaceTime and things like that. Maybe in a pinch, but um, I don't know that I would use that that much. The second thing I want to talk about is the Apple Card and Apple's discounts. So I'm a teacher, and I hope Apple's listening because their discounts compared to other retailers and other cards and things like that are just not enough. I mean, we're talking about um, you know a company that has billions and billions and billions of dollars. You know, so throw some teachers some love. Give us a little more of a discount on your products, man. We have um, small budgets and don't have much to work with. So I would really like to see that. But they, I mean, I don't see any reason to get the Apple Card beyond it just being the latest, greatest kind of cool thing when I can get way better rewards on almost every other card out there. So those would be my bad apples. All right. Hey, man, I hope you have a super week. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Peace. All right, thanks for calling in, Eric. Hey, uh, my mom, my dad, my sister, all teachers. So I know exactly, exactly where you're coming from. And, um, you know, I don't know if we can affect change here when it comes to bumping up those teacher discounts, but I would say that I'm pretty sure when I look at the numbers out of all the people that are listening to the show that we have some Apple employees, that's right, I'm calling you all out, that listen to the show, If you work for the education department or the retail sector and the education sector and you happen to be that single person that cross-references those two groups and you can bump up the percentage discount for educators, I would really appreciate it. Eric would too and everyone else would. Okay, thanks. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this week. You know, um, a shorter show with the news but had more time to jump in with more calls and we got a lot of calls. So thank you so much for everyone that calls in again All you got to do is record a voice memo. What is on your mind? Send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. And then keep it around a minute, and we'll try and put in the show. 
But that's it for this week. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Again, we've always got to show love to our Patreon supporters, the Platinum Apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatikar. Thank you so much for your continued support. And thank you to everyone who supports on Patreon.com, no matter what amount. We start at $2, $5 a month, $10, $25. $5 like a cup of coffee, if that's the value that I could bring to you every month. Also, look, if you can't support it financially, the best way to help also, five-star review this bad boy on iTunes, um, on the other podcast platforms. We're on like Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on SoundCloud, we're pretty much everywhere. In addition to that, put in a review. It bumps it up in the algorithm and helps all of us out. And tell your friends about it. Tell your, tell your tech geek friends about it. Tell your mom about it. Maybe she likes the sound of my voice. It could be possible. I'm just saying. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.